good morning and welcome back to another episode of vibe and cultivate with maya i hope everybody's doing super well uh i feel like i need like a song intro to this podcast that would be amazing you know like my window's open if you hear any side noises um but i feel like that would be amazing to just have like a vibe and cultivate song like a little tidbit to open up every episode i always love those so if anybody wants to write me a song feel free um but yeah today i am talking about knowing your worth in the workplace and i feel like this episode has been something i avoided for a long time and that is because i had yet to face a lot of the emotions that i have experienced in the workplace um and first and foremost i'll preface that this episode is going to center the experiences of brown by poc women of color not that some of these things don't apply to everyone but i'm speaking from my experience um and you know we all know that a lot of these things are unfortunately amplified if you do come from a marginalized community so i'm just i'm gonna tell you guys my story i want to share with you some very valuable pieces of advice that i have received that have been geared towards people who have similar backgrounds to me um you know by individuals that are mental health professionals um if you hear my voice get really raspy um that's because i'm still adjusting to being around people in a classroom and talking all the time um after being online and living alone so that i wasn't really talking to that many people on the daily basis so here we go I'm not going to start from the very beginning of my activist career because I feel like you guys already know most of that. Um, I mean, you know that my career, I guess, with social issues and politics began very early and the stakes were incredibly high and there was a lot that went along with that, as you can imagine. Um, And I feel like, I mean... I'm not going to go in depth, but, like, the key takeaway from that was that at 17 years old, I was expected to perform, like, someone in their 30s or 40s who had a full career behind them and a full network of people supporting them who have already worked in this field, and I I did not fall into that category, um, and it was a lot, um, and at times it felt like insurmountable pressure, and it's interesting how a lot of that, while the stakes for more recent jobs that I've had have been lower, it's interesting how the same the same assumptions from authority figures still arise. Um, I'm going to be starting the story a bit more recently. The story begins in 2021 um, when I started a job at my university um and it was a research job 
I'm not going to give any actual names or any, like, overly specific stuff. Um, But this job, I feel like it challenged me in a way that I'd never really expected it to. And, you know... I think a lot of the time I would I would always think about how people would say like whatever breaks you down builds you back up and I just I never really believed that while I was in the thick of this because it was the most harmful and toxic work environment I've ever worked in and again it was one of those settings where I was the youngest person in the room Um, I wasn't the only person of color in the room at all, um, but there was a a lot of this, (laughs) this sense of like, oh, well, you should just be grateful that you were chosen for this, and you should, um, be grateful that we trusted you with this, and that you get this opportunity as an undergrad, whereas this would usually go to graduate students, or, you know, people who are past college altogether. And while I did play an instrumental role in this project, um, I was never treated like I was an instrumental person at all. Um, I was regularly mistreated I was insulted disrespected um and it sucks like it sucks to talk about it sucks to admit that things like this happen um because you know we all want to well I'm not gonna say we all I'll just speak for myself um I like to put up a I don't want to say a front but like a demeanor that I can handle anything and you know I don't allow people to treat me xyz but you know I really had to accept the fact that this wasn't something I allowed it was something that happened and I was in the position where I was just trying to be respectful um as we were going through project tasks and Um, meeting deadlines and getting things processed through the university Um, I was really just trying to do a good job and like not make situations worse you know like when when you walk into something and it's already so chaotic that you're like okay let me be the one stable thing here let me be the one calm person here and I was like oh well maybe I can do that here and just be like the sense of relief for people but I feel like that even insinuates that like you're disposable in a way because you're just like making yourself consumable for everybody else and for everyone else's benefit but it's like at the end of the day are you okay and I promise you like throughout this entire job I was not and I knew that two weeks into the job one week into the job honestly um I had a bad gut feeling. I I knew there were problems. I knew there would be problems. But at the time, I remember 
I was encouraged to just stick it out because I would prove something to myself that I could handle adverse experiences and working with difficult people, frankly, in in the workplace. Um, was that the best advice I could have received? I don't know. Um, however, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because I'm here to talk about it with all of you and hopefully um, this conversation is validating for people and um, we can destigmatize talking about when your workplace just really sucks and when you just need to get out and it's fine to do that um i so in this job um the nature of the work was essentially like ethnographic research and that is when you're studying a cultural group of people and you go really in depth on that group of people Um, so what we were studying had to do with, um, my family and my culture, and that was why I was hired on. I was the only person on this team working on this project who was of my cultural background. Um, so I was, yeah, I was kind of hired, like, low-key based on that. Um, which when I tell people that, they're kind of like, that's kind of strange. Um, but I was like, I go to a PWI, like, I don't know who else is going to have a voice on this project if I'm not here. So I kind of took that as my responsibility. And then, um, come to find out, in practice, in the job, I... I don't want to make, like, absolute statements, however... I'll just say like how I felt like I felt very exploited and I felt very mistreated. Um, I was talked down to. I was belittled. I was name called. Um, And I'm I'm telling you right now, like I'm a very tough person, but it stung every time. It was not fun. And I wouldn't wish that experience on literally anyone. It does not matter your race. It doesn't matter where you come from or your past or how people have treated you in the past, how you've treated people in the past. Nobody deserves that shit. Like, it was crazy. And there were times when I did not do things a particular way Um, and it wasn't even that, like, I received specific directions to do something a certain way, and I, like, failed. It was, like, just the particulars of how my boss was, and if I didn't meet those, she would, like, publicly berate me in front of people and in front of people on our team, and then, like, send me away into my office to go fix it, um... And it was awful. Like, it was really, really awful. Um, And that led me to quit um, pretty recently, about a month ago. And 
that the boiling point for me was when basically the rest of our project was unfolding and there were certain problems that arised um, because I was essentially for the past several months I was doing this entire project by myself this was a project that was actually my boss's like she um don't mean to identify anyone uh sorry (laughs) this was my boss's project however I was doing all of the work on it and by all of the work I mean 100% and okay I feel like I need to give more context because this job this job was a lot so we I would be up doing work making deadlines creating documents following up with people sending emails la di da until about 1 30 in the morning those are the types of hours that I worked um I would receive emails at 3 a.m um I was I was expected to reply to all these emails, not necessarily the ones at 3 a.m., but a lot of them within like an hour. And my boss would get upset if we didn't reply that quickly. And it was awful. I was stressed all the time. I was sad all the time. And the people around me, they saw that. And, you know, it bothered them that I was so upset. And I just didn't know how to grapple with it. And I didn't know how to get out of it without feeling responsible for, like, the failure of the project. Or feeling like I, you know, let my people down by not representing them in this space. And I I was just stressed, really. Um and yeah so I ended up quitting this job after things just got worse basically and I was blamed for a lot of things that went wrong and I was actually like I'll use the word berated again because I was um for mistakes that my boss actually made and then she admitted later and she was like oh actually yeah that was um my fault it it was it was a lot um and i i knew that after this job it wasn't going to be the type of thing where i could quit and then immediately bounce back into the next thing um because I had been harmed so much in this position that I needed to recover from it whether I liked it or not whether I wanted to or not like I needed to take the time to just sit and feel it and think about it because it was mortifying and I thought that after I quit, I would feel this weight lifted off my shoulders. And maybe for a fleeting moment, 
when I decided I was going to, before I even sent in the letter, I did feel a little bit that way. But after I sent in my resignation letter, I felt a sense of grief. I felt very used and sad and disappointed that I put so much work into this project, hundreds of hours into this project, only to be dragged through the mud. And I know there are other people who can attest to similar experiences of not being appreciated and just being like discarded and being treated like you're disposable, even if you put in so much work. Um, And I feel like it's easier for, for people to treat women of color like we're disposable because to them, they may never admit this, but we are. Like in their minds, we are. And it's so hard to accept. And I would say like a few years earlier in the beginning of my professional career, that was something I strongly rejected. And it was something I thought I could (laughs) overcome or like, like, oh, well, they would never do that to me. But it's like, no, it's not personal at all, really. Like it's a societal systemic issue that people need to get a grip on. Um. So, yeah, um, I feel like it's also important to mention, I feel like this is a question people might have, um, that my boss was not white and was not a man. Um, so there's like another added layer to that. Um... And, you know, y'all, while there is, like, a risk in talking about this, I think it's worth it, quite honestly, because this shit is hard to talk about and admit, period. And I just, like, I want my story to be something that other people can use to heal from and to relate to. Um... But to continue the story, because it doesn't end here, um, I was recently offered another job that's similar to the one that I used to have for a while, where I worked at, like, a, it's like a fitness studio, but, like, a high-luxury fitness studio, so it was a different one, and I came in, and, you know, it's a smaller business, and you know the gist, when it's a small business, um, they always use the term, like, you wear many hats, and usually they lie about how much work you have to do, and that's basically what happened, like, I walked in for the training, got the gist of it, and, um, I'll just give specifics, because this shit is comedic, um, they essentially wanted me as, like, a front desk person, to do the roles of a manager, a hospitality person, front desk, um, and, like, assisting with literally everything, um, and coming from, like, the studio I used to work for, that's essentially, like, four different people all in one, and also at this studio, there was no support, so they expected me to do all of this by myself for minimum wage, with no downtime in between to, like, sit and do any of, like, my schoolwork, um, just constantly, like, doing laundry and cleaning showers, um, 
and checking people in and selling memberships and cleaning mirrors and all this all this stuff you know that was just like very absurd and um they my god what else do they want me to do also a part of like this studio one they're not really compliant at all with like the city of chicago um safety wise or covid wise which was like the ultimate red flag for me um they weren't requiring masks at all really they were letting people walk into the studio into the lobby too with no masks on um barely regulating anything and I asked that I asked them about it directly if they were compliant with the city of Chicago and they were like oh no we just do our own thing and we try to be really chill and relax about the mask thing and I was like are you serious like it was just very obvious to me to speak very like candidly like they just didn't really seem to think critically about the implications of anything they were doing like it seemed like one of those places where people are very much like in their own bubble and they don't see anything outside it like they don't see that the people walking into this studio might have families and kids that like they don't want to spread covid to or they're just assuming that oh because you come here like you just accept the fact that we do things the way we do things it's like maybe but also maybe not and also your workers essential workers quote unquote that work here like that's just not that doesn't seem fair to me um like their cleaning procedures for stuff compared to like what i'm used to you know it's just totally different um and right now i know i'm i'm speaking about like two polar opposite jobs and totally different um but i've had like lots of different jobs in my life and this one like they they just wanted a lot of really questionable things done i don't really want to get into it um but it was not good and so i let them know that this position was not for me and you know sent in the whole professional email of thank you for taking the time to train me thank you for this opportunity but because of like the setup of your studio it's not gonna work out um and that was that and it was through this process that I developed a lot of gratitude for my past jobs that I've had that you know I thought were so terrible but like comparatively I would take that any day over this and um so I learned how to be more grateful and then I also beyond that I learned how to know my worth in the workplace and to apply it um because I live in a really big city where I could work anywhere especially with my background especially with you know the fact that I speak three languages and all this stuff you know like I don't need to question my validity anymore I don't need to question whether or not I'm good enough to have like a solid paying job like I think unpaid internships when you're in college will try to condition you that like it's okay and it's okay to accept stuff like that but it's like if you have developed certain skills and have like years of experience in a particular thing you don't need to accept any less than what you want and what you deserve so 
you just have to like go out and get it and find the people who want to work with you and like choose the people that are choosing you and who are eager to have you work for them and won't mistreat you because they're absolutely out there um so yeah that was that was just I don't know if that was a breakthrough or or what but um I was reflecting on this and kind of writing in this journal-esque thing that I created um, a few years ago when I was really struggling in a different experience that I was in. Um, And I started this little, like, dialogue thing that I would write in that was, that I, I titled it Armor because I considered it, like, the words that I use with myself as a way to fortify my mind, body, and spirit against people who do not have my best interest at heart and who are possibly, like, harming me um, as a way to, like, essentially protect myself. So um, it's really just, like, reflection. So I I added to it and... um, Uh, I'll share like a little excerpt from what I wrote. I said, know your worth and hold yourself accountable for enforcing that wherever you go. No one else is going to protect you in the day-to-day encounters you have. Only you know what you need and it's your responsibility to create the reality that you want. That demands that we say no to the things that instinctively feel wrong and saying yes to what feels fruitful and for the greater good. I think that trusting your gut feeling is the best thing you could do because a lot of us have really good instincts or we have people around us that have good instincts. And if you know that someone's not treating you well, you don't need to be there. If you're in any environment where you don't feel safe or comfortable or valued, you don't have to be there. You can leave. And there's a lot of power in that. And I really wish that more people knew that. Something that's brought me a lot of clarity is looking to people who have experience with things like this, who are also women of color, who are here to offer advice to younger professionals that are encountering the same bullshit issues. So one example, one beautiful example of this is um, an individual named Sahaj Kohli. Um, she is an individual and family therapist who runs Brown Girl Therapy on Instagram. Um, and then on Twitter, she is at Sahaj Kohli. Um, she is an individual and family therapist who created the first and largest mental health community for all children of immigrants. She promotes therapy, biculturalism, and social justice. This is not an ad, I promise. Um, I don't know her. I just follow her stuff. And something that she posted, honestly, everything she posts really resonates with me. Um, Even though I'm not 
in the mental health field as a therapist, I feel like a lot of the same dynamics occur even in, you know, different fields. Um, And it's really just the collective issue of, not to be on my soapbox, but, you know, it's the issue of elite careers still favoring white men and men and cisgender people and straight people um and yeah so brown girl therapy is a beautiful online community um i think they're just on instagram and twitter possibly facebook i really don't know um but something that sahaj posted was um she was reflecting on that feeling that you need to prove yourself to others to be recognized um and she breaks down in depth how this shows up for people and i'm gonna list this off so there's a lot of different examples um let me see how many one two three four five six seven eight nine great okay so basically nine different ways that this um affects people um and i am saying right now before i even say anything that i have done every single one of these um and i think there are a lot of people who have also done every single one of these and i have a lot of friends who have (laughs) done all of these um and you know we can joke about it but it's like these are very serious and they compromise our mental health so it means that it's important to see that we're doing it and know that like there's another way to do this there's another way to communicate our needs and find purpose and find joy in the work that we do um without suffering basically so here we go let's get started first thing one way that this shows up is in over communication when setting a boundary because you need to be understood and validated by the other person um but this often just over complicates things um so for example with that what i think of is when i am saying no to something feeling like i need to lie or make excuses to justify why i'm not doing it rather than either just being honest or saying one succinct thing as to why i'm not doing it um and i feel like women have been indoctrinated with this very apologetic culture of just like always saying sorry and always feeling like everything is our fault when in actuality it's like if someone gets mad at you for anything like if it's not grounded in anything like if if you didn't do anything wrong like just let them get mad like you don't need to over explain yourself and oftentimes i found that like when you're working with people like most people and like sensible people you truly don't need to over communicate and you don't need to over explain yourself and sometimes it even comes off as like annoying like from my perspective when i've seen other people in their communication with me over explain themselves i'm like just be honest bro like literally just be honest and like i'm not gonna get mad because 
how you're feeling and what you're going through is what it is and ultimately like the people in your life should be there to support you so if you're really struggling and you can't do a job like it's okay to admit that because there's always there's always someone else to do it you know there's most of the time like there's always another way to get things done um we don't need to torture ourselves just for the sake of performing and executing things um and let me move on before I keep going for another hour. So the second thing is staying in unhealthy relationships or friendships that don't serve you because you tell yourself it's not all bad or it's not as bad as it could be. Um, and those are the types of things that in hindsight you look at it and you're like, wow, I was suffering. Wow, I really let these people do this to me or you know, like, I really tolerated this, and I'm not talking about, like, abuse necessarily, because that's not something that we allow, that's something that happens, as I said before, um, but my purpose in saying that is sometimes we try to justify keeping someone in our life and staying close with someone, um, or keeping, like, a romantic partner because, we have minimized the ways that they treat us and the ways that they've harmed us. And we feel like we need to prove that we're still worthy of that love. And I think that one million percent translates to the workplace because that's also a place where we receive validation. That's where we receive praise for the good work that we've done. And that's where we make friends. And that's where we go out with people Um, and so it's just as relevant to look at, like, are we truly happy with ourselves? Are we comfortable honoring the sacred no and the sacred yes without that affirmation from people, you know, or do we constantly need that reassurance? Because if we do, then that's a deeper issue. Um... And I have plenty of episodes that are on that. If you are curious about learning more about that. Um, So, yeah, third thing. Talking yourself out of feeling like you experienced a microaggression or discrimination because you don't want to make it about race. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Basically, essentially, yes. A plus for number three. Um, Wow, there are so many ways to like justify someone saying something racist or misogynistic and just like tossing it over your shoulder and being like oh that doesn't affect me or I don't want to focus on them but you know what sometimes it doesn't hurt to look up if you don't already know the mechanisms in place to protect people from things like that because a lot of places especially now they have policies on this you know and with the bigger institutions I understand it's it is tough i trust me i get it um but like at least knowing your options for like if you can report something and what happens if you report it and if you can do things anonymously um or if you can just like have ways for people to help protect you and make and like keep you safe like emotionally and physically um because we all know that like microaggressions and discrimination and you know covert racism that can quickly snowball into 
bigger issues and more pressing issues that become long term because these people these views they don't just go away overnight especially if you're not addressing them and I know it sucks because it's like not your responsibility to correct someone's improper socialization but if you frame it as like this is for you and this is for you to take care of your long-term self I feel like it is um and bottom line if you're at a workplace where like you are repeatedly mistreated like that and you work with people that are racist um honestly even if you're a white person and you work with someone that's racist or like on a team of people that's like that like you can leave if like those views make you uncomfortable like I feel like nothing in this world is ever going to change if people continue to be neutral and moderate and not have an opinion and just say, oh, well, that's just how this guy is. That's a problem. That's not just how they are. Like, they're that way for a reason and they're having an impression on other people and they're making other little minions that are just like them. So as difficult as it is to stand up for yourself it's essential and it's necessary and it's important to essential necessary important it's important to develop those skills of learning how to advocate for yourself not necessarily to like avoid people mistreating you because people are always going to act crazy but to at least know what to say in those moments and to know when to not say anything and when to just leave and that's on that so fourth thing the fourth way that this shows up for us feeling like we need to prove ourselves to others to be recognized is not sharing your struggles with mental health or invisible illness out of fear of not being believed or being told it's all in your head ding 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 um yep 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 this is me 100 percent, or it was it was i wouldn't say i'm quite this bad anymore well i shouldn't say good versus bad um I don't have this habit anymore um i think that sharing your struggles with mental health is incredibly empowering not just for you but for other people you don't need to tell your entire life story or completely explain why you feel a certain way like you can just say i'm struggling you can just say i need help with this You can say, my mental health isn't doing well right now. I need support. You don't need to justify why. You don't need to prove yourself. How you feel is how you already feel. You don't need to prove that that's how you feel. And if there's people who disrespect that, fuck them, honestly. Keep that space between them, and that's it. They don't need to be your best friend. They don't need to be... The person who's right by your side, you know, keep them at a distance, cut them off, whatever. Um, If it's in the workplace, you know, like having that distance, I think is really important. And like vocalizing your concerns about that is also really important. Um, If you're like at a company and you are being overworked and you let them know that you are not able to handle all the things that they're demanding of you and your boss disrespects that and they tell you that you're overreacting 
go to your hr department go talk to them go talk to other people you are not alone you don't deserve to be treated like that if you're in a small intimate work setting where they don't have an hr department go find someone go talk to someone and if you're if it's just the two of you quit next prioritizing grand gestures over smaller daily ones because it's proof of your love and commitment that's very true um if you don't feel like you know what you have with somebody is enough on the day-to-day and so you have to like rely on them buying you super extravagant gifts or taking you to super super nice restaurants um yet they mistreat you or they talk down to you or they're just like not the person you want to be with um I mean, there's, you know, there's that, and then there's, I see that also in, like, parent-child relationships when, especially, I guess, like, with divorced parents or parents who aren't really present for their kid, um, those aren't necessarily the same thing at all, but um, if they feel like their child's being deprived of something, and then to overcompensate for that, giving them, like, really big presents and trips to places and cars and designer stuff so all that for sure um next one okay there's four left so (laughs) um another way this shows up is when you overcommit um when you're asked on to take more than what you want to to prove that you do care um we see this a lot with the pandemic to prove that you're working and that you're present even if you're like dying on the inside um the next one is not sharing your progress excuse me, you assume that not sharing your progress or success with others means that it's not meaningful, worthy, or real. Feeling like you need to post about everything, feeling like you need to make it known that you are doing this, that, and the third, and people don't really care, basically. Um, We've all seen other people do that. I feel like it's just harder to see when we're doing that to other people. Um, The next one is when you feel like you have to constantly claim how busy you are and overstate to excuse why you've been MIA or slow to respond yeah that that added me real quick because I feel like I definitely used to be a lot more like that and I thought that busy equaled better wonderful capital mindset capitalist mindset American individualism whole song and dance um yep that was me I wanted to be busy all the time I wanted to be able to say that I was doing this and that and now I'm like I want to be at peace I want to be rested I want to be fed I want to be loved and I want to do things that feel good that's it um that doesn't mean that my goals and aims drastically change but it means that my mindset is different um I guess I could do another episode on that, on, like, balance and not being super hellbent on productivity. So, okay, last one. Um, You may be projecting you need to prove yourself to others by struggling to trust that they care, that they are hurting, or that they're too busy if they don't prove that directly to you. Um, The wording of this did kind of confuse me at first, but... Essentially, what she's trying to say is if someone is not being fully, fully present for you, when you feel like, oh, they haven't explained that to me, so I'm still going to feel some type of way until they explain themselves to me. And that's projection because you're feeling like 
you need to prove yourself, so you feel like they also need to prove themselves. Um, yeah, so all of this essentially, like, really resonated with me. I'm super grateful for resources like this because it's free. You don't need to pay for therapy <laughs> to get this information, um, but it can be pretty dense. So I wrote all this out, and it helps to kind of break it down that way. So, like, if you see one of these, like, Instagram infographics, and you're like, yo, that's a lot of text, and I don't really think I can take that on right now, or, like, I'm just trying to, like, scroll through Instagram for leisure and not be given this, like, mental health lesson on my tiny little screen, what I do when I see stuff like that is I physically write it out in my notebook, or I type it up in my Google Drive, and that's what I did today. Um, and I found that to be really, really helpful. Um, so especially if you, if your learning style is a little bit different, it helps to write it out and see it. So yes, I, I really enjoyed reading this. I resonated with it a lot. I hope you guys were able to find some clarity with it as well. Um, I want to close out this episode with some some more gems um just a little one from my favorite poet rudy francisco if you know me you're probably rolling your eyes right now but i love rudy francisco and i always will so this is a a little quote from him from one of his poems and it says i'm still learning to love the parts of myself that no one claps for i think this is an everyday struggle This is an everyday commitment to making space for yourself, whether or not other people do. And holding yourself accountable for enforcing your worth wherever you go, whatever role you're in. Because that determines the type of life that you're living. Like, if you want to live the type of life where you're constantly in the passenger seat and letting other people drive you around and letting other people decide what you're going to do, make your decisions for you, tell you where you're going to go, what you're going to do, that's the type of life you're going to live and you're always going to feel like you don't have a say and you're always going to feel unhappy. But if you decide that, no, like, you want to make that change and you want to demand better, um... Make it happen for yourself. Um, I feel like people are going to listen to this podcast episode and be like, I'm quitting my job. Honestly, do what you got to (laughs) do. I'm just here to share my story and say that while all of this was incredibly difficult, I'm proud of myself for the way that I handled it. And I'm proud of myself for my ability to stick it out. But I think that now I know moving forward, simply like I don't have to um I already had this experience I know what it feels like and I don't want to feel this way again um and I know what I'm worth so thank you for being here and for listening to this episode um I'm so glad that I could be in this space with all of you you are all so wonderful and so worthy of love, and so worthy of appreciation wherever you go, and I hope you never ever settle for less than that. Have a great day.